The views expressed on this special broadcast of the Take 12 radio show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. A very scary experience. You know, God is a solution. God is a 12-step. I like where he's going here. Helps the community grow, helps us grow. <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie has done a phenomenal job. Lack of open-mindedness. And you're talking about taking people through a spiritual process and getting them into recovery. Thanks, Monty, uh, and thanks for all your support. We need spirituality to make this thing work long-term. It's an absolute pleasure. He certainly knows a lot of people. This is one of the places that is about the business of the solution. And now, broadcasting on location somewhere in the vast expanse of the Pacific Northwest, it's the over-opinionated 12-stepologist, the Monty Man. You betcha. That's right. Welcome one and all. Welcome family. Those of you who are in recovery, those of you who are advocates of, and perhaps even a few of you who should be, welcome to another fine episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, broadcasting to you and for you from the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, in the KHLT Recovery Broadcasting Studios. Still, the original recovery talk and positive music radio station, broadcasting 24-7 for you. Hey, listen, our email address is take12radio at comcast.net. Do not hesitate to comment on the shows on any of our social media sites. And I want to thank the folks at Podomatic, the host of the largest group of podcasters in the world. Thank you so much for sponsoring uh, this show today. Listen, uh, recovery is broad. And as we gather in our basements of our churches and our meeting halls and in our parks and on the beaches, setting up chairs, drinking bad coffee, talking about our day, the solution, the the, the higher power issues, our addictions, all the stuff that comes re- with recovery, we have a variety of backgrounds that we come from. And you, our listeners, we, we know that so many of you have incredible stories and people that are in the field helping break the stigma of addiction and all the things that fall in that category and are really some of the root causes of the things that we do ought to be celebrated. These folks work very, very hard for you and I, and one such person is my guest today, Sherry Gaba, uh, in addition to being the editor of Recovery Today magazine, Sherry has served as the go-to expert for Dr. Drew Pensy's Celebrity Rehab on VH1 and later on the spinoff VH1 Sober House, as well as Celebrity Rehab Sex Addiction. You also may have seen her on CNN, HLN, the Bio Channel, Showbiz Tonight, Inside Edition, reporting on the addiction epidemic. Now, you and I know that the number one health crisis in our world is suffering. The recovery from it is suffering because of stigma. And what we want to help do here at Take 12 Recovery Radio, we've been doing for over 14 years, is to help break that stigma. And 
we're not going to be doing any of that without you, our listeners. So I really want to thank you for tuning in today. Now, listen, Sherry now hosts the Recovery Today series, which is an online conference, and she's the author of the groundbreaking and award-winning book, The Law of Sobriety, Attracting Positive Energy for a Powerful Recovery, and her brand new book, The Marriage and Relationship Junkie, Kicking Your Obsession. We're going to be talking about her new book. We're also going to be talking about Wake Up Recovery, a recovery community that she has started. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Sherry Gaba. Sherry, welcome to the show. Oh, Monty, thank you. I love your energy, and, you know, I didn't realize you've been on for 14 years. You are quite the trailblazer because... You know, there are so many recovery podcasts out there, yeah. but you really are at the forefront of this um, of this medium in recovery. Well, thank, thank you for the kind words. Uh, yeah, you know, we, when we first got into this thing, it all came, you know, as so many things do, uh, it came out of a resentment, believe it or not. But it, was, uh-huh. it wasn't mine. I was quoting some recovery literature in my 12-step home group, And a guy stood up in the middle of the meeting and said, hey, Monty, you know, if you want to be that opinionated, why don't you go start your own talk show, but shut your mouth in the meetings? And, well, (laughs) you know how we are. So there there you go. And I got home from that that meeting, and I had a message on my answering machine uh, from a Recovery recording artist, Sonia Lee, and uh, a- another gal, Mary Lynn B., they both messaged me. They saw an email that I wrote, and they said, have you ever thought about broadcasting this stuff? And so I called them back, and one thing led to another, and there we go, 14 years later. Uh, so it's it's a privilege and an honor. Sherry, you are a very busy uh, woman. Uh how in the world did you ever get involved in so much stuff? What was going on in your life? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I was doing, I was just a hospice social worker and, you know, just kind of doing my little job. And um, I ended up uh, marrying an alcoholic in recovery. Congratulations. And, <laughs> yeah, although I wouldn't, I would say he was in recovery and then not in recovery. So gotcha. I don't, I can't say he was in recovery the whole time because we are, we are now divorced. Because, mm. you know, as we say, as you know, I'm in the other program, the Al-Anon program. Right. You know, it works if you work it. If you don't work it, there you go. So I'm even more more passionate about this field now that I've gone through several relapses with my ex and um, really get this thing, you know, up close and personal. You know, it's one thing to be out there. You know, I was running a family group at Promises Rehab. I uh, I wrote that book. I was on Celebrity Rehab and all these amazing things in the recovery community. And it really started by marrying an alcoholic and getting a job at Promises. And my whole life has completely changed um, in terms of my career and my focus. Um, but being in the home with somebody that actually relapses made, has made me an, an even, um, I think, better clinician and um, an, an understanding of this disease even more than, you know, I mean, I have my own little addictions. I'm definitely a recovered codependent and love addict, so I get some of the, quote, thinking, thinking. Sure. Yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of it uh, kind of overlaps, but uh, more than ever, I just, I love what you say about eradicating the stigma because... You know, there still is so much stigma. I mean, I was at a Easter party, and I'm sitting down with someone. I'm telling them what happened to my ex and so forth. And, 
he goes, you know, it's such a cult, you know, AA, the 12 steps, such a cult. And mm. I mean, you hear that all the time and it's like, yeah. I don't know about you, Monty. I don't know how you answer that question, but I try to explain to him that, you know, it's, it's not a cult. It's a place where people go to, to get well. And only, you know, you know, I talk about how the first step is only about the addiction and the rest is about living life on life terms. So, you know, there's still that, that stigma around the program itself. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do you think that some of that is kind of our own fault, though, because we've misunderstood the anonymity tradition, so we kind of hide in the basements of our churches and meeting halls and don't say anything? Oh, you know, that's an interesting question. I just interviewed someone for the for my magazine, and he brought up that exact point. He said, you know, that whole idea of uh, no, you know, no promotion but attraction. Yes, I think that does hurt us. And I, but I think it's changing because I mean, look at all the podcasts that are out there. You know, yeah. I have a magazine, and you know, I still get naysayers that write me and say, you know, this is supposed to be anonymous. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, me too. <laughs> yeah, there's some, and you know, I I get that, and I think the old school. I mean, I interviewed Jamie Lee Curtis in the magazine, and I mean, she right. was mentioned in the program. She's mm-hmm. been used the word twelve steps. She goes, I. You know, that is a tradition, and so I'm only here today to, to so that somebody maybe out there will have my story, and I will be able to help support them like somebody helped me in the media that shared their story. So there's some people out there that are hardliners that, you know, and I respect that. I sure. respect all of it. I respect whatever works. Yeah, because it, at some point, we we need to, 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 to move past some of the... Uh, some of the ink that's too dry on the paper and realize that this is about saving lives. And, you know, and so I, I'm, I'm excited about films like anonymous people and uh, folks like uh, C4 recovery solutions and, and what you do and Dr. Drew. And I, I, I mean, at some point we have to say, what is the priority here? Are we going to save a life? Or are we going to end up killing somebody because we don't want to open our mouth? Well, the conversation I was having with this gentleman yesterday, he's actually an, um, an NBA football, uh, excuse me, NBA basketball player who actually, you know, he has a recovery story. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, the kids, he made a really good point. He said the kids today have a very short attention span. You know, for them to sit in a room of, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous for an hour, an hour and a half, that may not be working. Or maybe it's the big book itself that they can't relate to. So I think there has to be some um, dialogue, you know, within the hierarchies of the community, you know, to see what can we do to kind of entice these younger people. Because um, I think there is a problem out there. I don't, I don't know if we're, we're reaching them. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And uh, so we we got to keep doing what we're doing. And some of the naysayers, are they're always going to be naysayers no matter what we do. You know, nobody at Take 12 Radio gets gets a paycheck. We we have a volunteer staff, uh, volunteer production people. We You know, everybody volunteers. And yet we still get emails saying, well, how much money are you actually making off recovery? Oh, God. Oh, my God. That is so funny because that is so true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I don't I, I, <clears throat> This transparent, but you know, I haven't made a dime on my first book. I mean, you know, you you don't get rich writing a book. No. <laughs> I, I, oh, I get that all the time, and people don't realize that. So I'm with you, Monty. People don't get it. Yeah. And yeah. We, know we were gonna we were gonna talk about my my latest book. I'm just gonna briefly say that. Yes, ma'am. Well, I, that's how my first book was incubated. The law of sobriety 
was that I found that when I was showing the movie The Secret to some of the people at the rehab, and The Secret was about is about the law of attraction, if anybody's ever heard of it. Yes. About, you know, what you put out in the universe, what you get back, which is really, you know, a meaning in itself, but they don't call it that. And so people loved the movie, and I thought, I need to take this concept, the law of attraction, and bring it to recovery. And I did, and that's where the book, you know, um, started. And, um, you know, it's been a popular book, although, you know, like I said, I haven't made a lot of money on it, but um, it brings a whole other, you know, and, you know, and the young people love it. I mean, when you talk to young people and you don't necessarily talk about, quote, God, mm-hmm. to me it's all the same, but if you talk about infinite intelligence or you talk about, you know, um, inter- you know, infinity or you talk about um, the source, you know, sometimes that speaks to a younger person more than does the word God. Sure. So we have to, you know, meet clients or meet, you know, uh, people new in the program where they're at. You know, what is it that's going to work for them and what's going to speak to them? And that's what is going to work. Amen. Amen. I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, for for we have a lot of folks in the faith community to listen to our show. And, and let me just address this to them. Even Jesus met people where they were at. He identified with who they were, what the, what their their jobs were, what their social status was. He met them where they're at because, you know, I Sherry, when I if I speak at a uh, a convention uh, of alcoholics, I will introduce myself as an alcoholic. Now I'll let them know somewhere in in the in the in the talk that I'm a recovered alcoholic but if I say recovered right off the bat I'm going to lose half the room and so we have to you know it's kind of tricky but you kind of learn as you go you mean, how to talk like, they want you to just say alcoholic yeah so so when in Rome right so so I'll say hi I'm Monty, I'm an alcoholic you know but in my talk I I will definitely let them know I'm a recovered alcoholic and yeah. But if I say, hi, I'm on a recovered alcoholic, I'm going to lose a whole bunch of people right away and not be able to even get to the important part. Wow, because it's not the traditional way of right. yourself. Right. Oh, that's very interesting. You know, it, it's funny to say that there's so many gray areas that just are not, or so many ways of expressing who we are. You know, I yeah. just have at times of my life um, where I drank, I binged a little bit. I was in high college, some of my dating experiences, but I learned pretty early on that I wasn't, quote, an alcoholic. I didn't have the disease. I didn't sure. have... Um, but it was very difficult to, to really say that in my book, because people will assume, oh, you must be an alcoholic. You're writing a book about <laughs> alcoholism. You know, and it was... And so I had to even say in my book, I'm not saying I'm an alcoholic. I'm just saying that, yes, there are times in my life that I have abused. Well, you know, if you say that in a 12-step meeting, you're, you're going to be like, they're gonna. They're just. Gonna, and it happened to me. They're like, "No, you're an alcoholic. You must be an alcoholic." And you know that that isn't that wasn't my story, right? And it, and it just wasn't safe. It, it just wasn't a safe, you know. And I think that that's sad because I do think people go in there that can use maybe therapy or figure out why they're making bad choices or why they're you know, they're, they're doing behaviors that they're not real proud of. But that doesn't mean they're an alcoholic. That's right. That's right. Uh, Sherry, we're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Sherry's new book, The Marriage and Relationship Junkie. Um, I, I know when I first saw this title, I was like, what? 
So this is going to be very interesting. So folks, don't go away. Check this out. You and I know all too well how talented folks in recovery are. KHLT Broadcasting, the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, and the Recovery Broadcasting Network are handing you the opportunity to share some of that talent. If you've ever written your own songs and have always wanted to share them publicly, here's the chance to share your talent with thousands of people all over the world through Internet Radio. For the next several months, the Monty Man will be reviewing songs written and performed by people in recovery whether you're an accomplished musician or a novice he wants to hear from you all forms of music will be considered adhering to federal copyright laws and possible contractual agreements some restrictions may apply to submit your original music by email send mp3s to take 12 radio at comcast.net that's t-a-k-e the number 12 radio at comcast.net or drop your cd in the mail addressed to K-H-L-T, P.O. Box 93, Albany, Oregon, 97321. This is Tony Morosi from the recovery band Self-Esteem, and we're listening to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show with the Monty Man on K-H-L-T Broadcasting. Zippity doo Welcome back to the show. You've tuned into the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Take12radio.com on your internet dial. Uh, hey, listen, uh, you can download any of our shows for fun and for free. Just go to Take12radio.com and click on Follow Me on Podomatic. We also have YouTube versions, uh, WordPress, Facebook. I all Well, I don't have time to name them all, but they're all there. And uh, please feel free to comment on the shows. We love to hear from you. All right. My guest uh, this week is Sherry Gaba uh, from Recovery Day magazine and a whole lot of other places as well, including uh, Celebrity Rehab uh, with Dr. Trupensky and uh, her Recovery Today series and Wake Up Recovery, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But her new book, The Marriage and relationship junkie kicking your obsession. Sherry, are there people that are addicted to marriage? What what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to just be transparent here. So um may not be an alcoholic, but I'm definitely a marriage junkie. Um, I've been married four times. Mm. I that the alcoholic might feel that he's the drink because, you know, they have that spiritual malady and that whole, yeah. that would be me when it came to love and relationships. That wow. And um, they were short. Well, two of them were short. One of them wasn't so short. And then one was quite, you know, was the longest. And that was through the alcoholic. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, basically, it's it's love addiction. It's love addiction. It's relationship addiction. It's marriage addiction. For me, it turned into making commitments to marriage, not really giving it a lot of thought, and being really impulsive. And that's just like the addict. They're, they can be very impulsive about the decisions um that they make. And so mine was just get married, you know, if you look good and smell good, I'll marry you. So wow. that's, that is that is my story. And, and for those people who don't really, you know, know what love addiction is or, you know, are wondering, am I a love addict, a relationship addict, or a marriage addict, it's really a process addiction. It's like any other addiction, like food or binge eating or sex addiction or exercise or internet or gaming or shopping or spending, it's, it's just another addiction. It's a lifestyle addiction. And it means, you know, you're becoming addicted to a mood-altering activity and behavior that creates, like, almost the identical euphoric states of a mood-altering substance. So it's really no different, and you're still trying to numb and cover up 
those feelings of emptiness and low self-worth, the feeling of not being worthy. And so your choices, you don't use a lot of confidence in your choices. And, you know, how we talk about in the rooms, you know, your picker's off. I definitely have. I have, and I'm working on it, the world's worst picker. (laughs) I'm not picking from a place of, you know, I wasn't picking from a place of groundedness and health and I was in a lot of denial. Even when I married the alcoholic, I had a lot of denial that, oh, he, he was homeless. He lost everything. This guy would never drink again. And, you know, that just isn't how you're supposed to look at it. You look at it as he won't drink again maybe one day at a time. And so that was my denial system. But for the addict, the love addict, your truth is less than, you know, your desire to be coupled and have connection is greater than what you know to be true. In other words, you so badly not want to, you want to be you don't want to be alone so badly that you'll deny what is right in front of you. You know, you'll fall in love with the illusion instead of the truth. So um, when you are a love addict, the relationship is your only identity. And then what's interesting is when a breakup occurs, the addictive lover you know longs for this attachment, this connection, and those pre- those pleasurable feelings of that lost relationship that that just that just ended. Mm. So it's like craving a drug, you're craving a person to fill you up. Wow. I, 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 and, you know, what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, though, this is, this is once again a symptom of something that's going on deep inside of us. Uh, it's not just the other guy's fault and he's a jerk or she's a jerk or whatever, but we, we may be absolutely addicted to the process of, of just the, the whole process, like a junkie would be addicted to actually the process of, of purchasing the drugs and fixing the drugs even more than actually using the drugs, true? Yeah, well, I think what we're talking about for me, and people often appreciate when I share my story, I was, um, I'm in my 50s, and in those days, if you were premature, they didn't allow moms to connect or touch their babies. So I didn't right. meet my mother for three months. Mm. So I had very early, early trauma. And, you know, you may have listeners out there going, oh, come on, you're just a right. baby. But we know that attachment is super important. And so if you were neglected, your parents were at it, you were abused, or you came from a divorce, or you were an incubator baby like me, there might have been some early trauma that set you up for some major separation anxiety issues and abandonment issues. And so when one day I was able to really uh, get validated that, oh, my God, that's it. That's it. It's just a desire for connection. I'm just wanting connection. I'm wanting what I never got. And so I'm sure, you know, many alcoholics feel the same way, like their parents weren't available emotionally or physically. They didn't get what they needed. So it wasn't just a genetic predisposition to become an addict or alcoholic. It was also that deep-seated trauma that they grew up with. So absolutely, it is a symptom of something else. Is it possible? I'm thinking about people that I know that have had children. They're in an extremely dysfunctional relationship with their spouse, and they have children thinking that that's going to solve the problem. And I know you've heard that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, how about just young girls that get pregnant early because they think that if they have a baby and will be loved, that that will make them feel whole. Right. No, that is not it. It comes from inside. We know it's an inside job, just like any addiction. Um, it's a, Again, it's a spiritual malady. It's allowing something greater than yourself to, you know, to, to help you, to guide you, to mm. support you. And then the support of meetings or a therapist or 
some sort of spiritual program. I mean, that's really at the heart of that emptiness that we all know so well. So, um, yeah, I don't think having a baby is going to make a much right. better. I don't think, it, and I don't think it's going to be the solution for a teenage mom to get pregnant so that she can feel love and connection. Right. Again, it's connection. You know, how do you get connection? How do you how do you get appropriate connection? You know, and and I, I think about like today's uh, dating world with the dating apps and the internet dating. Um, you know, you think you're connecting in this app, but are you really connecting? I think it's a superficial connecting, but I think it makes people think that they're connecting. And then the apps themselves becomes the vehicle of their addiction. It becomes the addiction. You know, because they think that they're connecting to somebody, but they're really not. You know, you can't be really connecting to someone in a, a, a dating app or Internet dating. Um, and so, you know, where do you find places that are healthy where you can get that connection? And that's why, you know, 12 steps work or, you know, support systems. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we need to, to feel like, I mean, because that's the bottom line, it's that, that desire for connection. And that's why social media is so addictive, because people are connecting, but are they really connecting? It's so superficial. The, 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 yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. Do, do you think the, progre- the progressiveness of technology has really fed our obsessions? Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah. And it also feeds into the instant uh, gratification that addicts desire. Or it can, you can become addicted. And actually, there's companies that are actually hired by these other technology, social media outlets, where how can we get people to, how can we, gra- how can we get them to come on our site more often? How, you know, like, you know, think about, like, likes. I mean, God, any narcissist is going to, like, be loving likes on a Facebook page, right? Right. So they have ways of, of making people who ha- are empty and feel less than any way to think that they're going to get it off this social media. And, I mean, it's a real problem. I mean, mm. think about the bullying that goes on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a really, I, there's got to be some social control over this because it's really getting out of hand, I think. It, it, it is. In fact, uh, our Friday show last week, uh, we we did part one of bullying, and we're doing part two this Friday, uh, and that's one of the red flags. Uh, if your child or your spouse or your friend is is being a bully or is being bullied, is is the social media thing. So, all right, people that are obsessed, and I, I I'm always whenever we talk about something like this, it always reminds me of a thing that I went through years ago where I was so addicted to you being okay with me that um, I didn't, I had no concept of emotional sobriety like Dr. Alan Berger talks about and, and, and I, none whatsoever. And uh, I could not stand on my own two feet. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin unless you fulfilled the expectations I put on you. And then that wasn't enough either. Um, so you're talking about codependency. Oh, absolutely. Emotional sobriety. And, yeah. you know, codependency is your identity is based on how the other person thinks you, bet. you needing validation, needing acknowledgement. Um, it can show up with people, places, and things, of course. It can happen at work. You know, you're only happy when you get that data boy from your boss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's very painful. It's very painful. And what it really comes from is this feeling of being invisible. Like, mm. where in your life, in your childhood, were you not enough? Or mm-hmm. what, was there trauma and chaos in your family? And were you always other-focused? Because if you're always other-focused, then you're not focused within. 
And um, if you're not focused within, then you're always going to look outside to get that validation. So it's kind of like almost reparenting yourself. Like, what is it that you didn't get? I mean, for me, um, you know, I, I mean, there are a lot of things I didn't get. It's, it's for people to look and say, what didn't I get? And how can I, how can I receive that in a healthy way? And, you know, I just wanted to list some of the signs of obsession. Yes, please do. I don't even know what obsession is, but, you know, it's when you first meet someone, you fall in love instantly, and you think about them constantly and, and immediately fantasize about a future together. Or you overwhelm partners with attention. Or you feel it's your responsibility to fix your partner and make them perfect. Or you're not your authentic self with your partner, but are always changing yourself to suit them or please them. Mm. You're hyper vigilant and overreact to the slightest signs that your partner is no longer interested and you feel empty and lost or unworthy if you're not in a relationship. And so if those are the things that, you know, any of your listeners are experiencing in their relationships, they might want to take a look and say, am I a relationship junkie? Am I a love addict? You know, and, and wow. can I work with those issues? Um, again, I think it's an attempt to recover the losses of our early childhood. I think when a child receives lots of love and nurturing, they feel secure, um, and that person will likely grow up with a really good sense of themselves as a complete person, and they'll be able to set up healthy relationship boundaries. Um, but without this nurturing and not understanding what boundaries are, a child may develop a really poor self-esteem and insecurity, and, and then you get into the trouble of getting into abusive relationships as you settle. Um, you know, you'll take, you'll take the... Uh, scraps because you don't feel good enough within yourself. Um, you know, another, another issue is sometimes uh, relationship addicts grew up with caregivers that were unavailable physically or emotionally. So like I was saying earlier, they might have been neglected or abused. And so if they um, come from an intact functional family, like whoever that is, I don't know who's functional, but some people do grow up in healthy families, um, uh, they, they have a better chance of finding healthy love. Sure. Um, you know, or even an adolescent that didn't feel like they fit in with their peers um, can also develop a love addiction because, again, they never got that acceptance from their peers, so they're going to look outside to get that acceptance in their, in their love relationship. Let me ask you a question here. Um, what about kind of the opposite? There's a, there's a television series on currently called The Goldbergs. I don't know if you've seen it or not. But, but the mother portrays this incredibly overprotective woman and everybody laughs because most of us can identify to some degree with that kind of parent uh where the she wants the children to be so dependent on her for everything she cannot let go she cannot cut the apron strings she will do everything in her power to make sure that everything stays the same can a child grow up with that much attention to where they're so dependent on on mom and dad that, that there's so much over-nurturing that when they go out in the real world and they don't get that, they crumble. Um, so what you're saying is like the helicopter mom? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I have a client I'm actually seeing right now where her mother just micromanaged her whole life, and she has major, major anxiety issues around, like when she dates, if the guy doesn't text her or call her right away, she freaks out. She has just... She has so much anxiety, so much emptiness, because she was so used to all that attention, that constant attention. So absolutely, I think codependency and love addiction can, can come from having an overbearing uh, 
parent that, you know, just gave you just too much attention, and that's what you expect from the world. It's almost like an entitled kid. You know, you, you're sort of entitled. I think that I think that even addiction, substance abuse can, can grow out of that. Mm-hmm. Because you're just, you're just so used to instant, instant validation, instant um, attention. And, and, you know, life isn't that way. You know, life is not instant. You know, right. People aren't going to always be there at your beck and call. So I, I think that's a really good point that, yes, I think codependency, love addiction, substance, substance abuse can grow out of a very, um, you know, overbearing uh, parent, for sure. Now, now, my desire when I was younger, I, was always, I had to have that best friend. Somebody's got to be my best friend. And by God, I'm going to make you my best friend if it kills me. And what I ended up doing was pushing people away. And and w- one of the solutions to that for me was learning how to apply and implement this 12-step process. So there's solutions to this stuff. What are some of the solutions? Do you offer solutions in your book about how to overcome this? Um, I would Okay, so I could talk about some exercises you can do to allow for healthy love into your life, so kind of doing the opposite of what you have been doing. Um, so this is kind of a great way to start. Um, be aware, like right now, like right now, just being aware, oh my God, that might be me. Okay, so awareness is always the first step. Mm. Um, and then making a decision to change. Okay, so that's maybe where you go, okay, I think I will go to a meeting, I'll seek therapy. Um, you know, or I'll do things differently, like I won't text that, that guy, you know, because he's not texting me. You know, like, what is my intention here? Well, I'd like to meet a nice person, but if I keep texting, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them want to go away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sabotage. So, what if I just sit here in my discomfort? Um, you know, learning to stop looking for external solutions for problems, thinking everything is outside of you, um, and really, you know, exploring and breaking down your fears. Like, what is your fear? You know, for me, it was like, oh my God, I'm gonna be alone forever. Nobody's gonna want me. Wow. Um, even now. In my 50s, and I'm single again, there are fears that creep up like, oh, my God, who's going to want me? You know, there's, there's no men in my age range, or they're just going to want young women. And, and, and I started to look, you know, really break those fears down, and I went, no, I'm going to change that story. I'm going to say that I am amazing and worthy of somebody amazing, and it has nothing to do with my age. And, you know, it's kind of working. Like, I'm kind of, like, shifting that real negative mentality of, oh, I'm too old. Um, and I think a lot of women, you know, have this issue where they think they're too old and no one's going to want them. And it's just not true. Right. Um, uh, moving out of a denial, you know, like, so when you start meeting people, don't pretend that they're someone they're not, you know, stop being in the illusion or who you want them to be, but accept exactly what's in front of you, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know, examine those early suppressed traumas in childhood. You know, were you neglected? Were you always other-focused? Were you the hero of the family trying to make everything okay for everybody else so that you kind of forgot yourself and became invisible? Um, do a lot of self-parenting. You know, like, love that, that little, you know, Monty, you know, that child Monty. Yeah. Um, you know, becoming... Um, a loving and forgiving and compassionate per- a com- person, com- excuse me, compassionate person to yourself. You know, really giving yourself that self-love, um, and then use the pain to grow and prepare for a healthy relationship. You know, don't be a victim about, uh, over it. Like I could certainly be a victim if I wanted to be. I could say, "Oh my God, I took the addict back. We." 
got back together after we got divorced, and we were together for two years, and he relapsed again. And I could, you know, look at him and blame him, but I had to look, you know, I've had to look at my part, and my part was, you know, he didn't have a program, and I accepted unacceptable behavior anyway. I didn't accept, again, that he could relapse. I didn't accept that without a program, that was pretty inevitable. Um, that was my part. So I couldn't just blame the other person, if that makes any sense. Absolutely does. It does. And, so, I, and, I, and I had to, because otherwise I would have just felt sorry for myself. Oh, my God, I brought him back. I gave mm. him a chance again. Look what he did. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no. I made a conscious decision that I asked, you know, for, I, had, I had hoped that he would have a program. He didn't. And at that point, I should have said I didn't work out, but I didn't. I stayed anyway. And so that was my part. Um, mm. And I wasn't going to as many meetings as I needed to go in my own program. Right. And, and that was important, too, to look at my part. Um, let's see, what else? Um, so also trusting in yourself um, and letting go and getting therapy or, you know, attending a codependent anonymous meeting or a sex and love addicts anonymous meeting. Mm-hmm. Those are all, you know, really good um, treatment options of um, dealing with codependency and love addiction. But you got to start somewhere, listeners. You, you, do, you just can't sit there and nod your head and go, yeah, that's me, and then don't do anything. I mean... I, I mean uh, you know, I work with people. I'm state certified and all that kind of crazy stuff too. And I, I, what I hear all the time is, "Well, he's the horse's patootie. I don't have an issue, or she, she's the one that's doing this, that, and the other thing." And and can I, you know, one of the number one hindrances in people's lives is. The family members. I mean, they, they they don't think they have any issues, and it's oh, it's a- oh absolutely, they are part of the problem. Oh my family, goodness, family disease. And I heard a really great quote by Dennis Prager. He said, "You know, being a victim is like it's the root of all evil." And I don't know. That's kind of a, a strong statement. But if you are always a victim and blaming everybody else, it just it allows you to do whatever you want. It doesn't. It makes you, um, you know, you you have no accountability. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, we're all accountable. I mean, I remember when I was an, a very, very young single mother, and I was so angry at my first husband. Oh, my God, how could he leave us? How could he leave his baby? And for years, mm. not until I got into a 12-step program, and believe me, I had lots of therapy, lots of single-parent support groups. But when I got into a 12-step program, that is really when I let go of that victimhood. I went, oh, my yeah. God, I made these choices. Yeah. These were choices I made not about him it's about me amen amen and uh i same thing with me that it the the 12-step process helped me tremendously we're talking with sherry gaba uh psychotherapist and life coach we're going to take a break and when we come back we want to talk about wake up recovery and what that's all about by the way you can get sherry's book on amazon uh it is called the marriage and relationship junkie kicking your obsession where else can they get your book uh sherry yeah, they can go to Amazon or they can go to my website, SherryGaba.com. All right. See the place. Yeah. And we will have a link to that up on uh, up on TakeTalkRadio.com as well. So, folks, don't go away. More of my guest, Sherry Gaba, when we come back. Don't go away. I know I won't. After these messages, KHLT Radio will be right back. Hey there, it's the Monty Man. Did you know that Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are listener-supported? What that means is we don't receive any financial assistance from advertising products or services 
that have nothing to do with health or recovery, but are supported by you, our listeners. Any other promotions we commit to are purely our way of sponsoring other endeavors we feel are beneficial to the recovery community. Well, one thing we have learned all too well in our second decade of broadcasting is that we receive not because we ask not. Therefore, three times a year, we come to you, our listeners, for help. Because we are listener-supported, we depend on your donations to keep us on the air. For over 14 years, our listening audience has helped us to do just that. And once again, we are asking for your support. If you feel that Take 12 Recovery Radio is a valuable part of breaking the stigma of addiction and a resource of recovery from the world's number one health crisis, we ask that you consider becoming a Take 12 partner. To donate any amount or to sign up for a reoccurring monthly donation, simply visit our website at Take12Radio.com and scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the donate button. All proceeds go directly to pay for our expenses to continue to bring you the best in recovery talk and positive music. Won't you consider partnership today? Thank you and God bless. Hey guys, this is Richie Supa and you are listening to Take12Radio.com, recovery talk and positive music. Did anybody find you, find me, somebody to love? If I don't find somebody to love, am I going to crumble? Am I going to fall apart? How about loving yourself? Uh, These are all questions that many of us have had, especially those of us in recovery, and we know there is solutions to this stuff, and I am telling you, you need to check on this book, The Marriage and Relationship Junkie Kicking Your Obsession. Uh, go to SherryGaba.com. You can also find it on Amazon. Sherry Gaba, a psychotherapist and life coach, uh, also editor of Recovery Today magazine, is my guest today. And uh, not only is she an author, uh, not only is she a psychotherapist, not only is she a life coach, not only is she very involved in the recovery community, um, but she's a web person as well. And she has a new recovery community called Wake Up Recovery. Sherry, what's this all about? So basically, when I wrote the book, Law of Sobriety, I realized that people were loving this whole idea of diving deeper into the laws of the universe or law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make, I wanted to create a coaching program. And I know that, you know, there are many people that cannot afford the high price of a recovery coach. Sure. Very expensive. And, you know, I'm like one of those people, I'm a, I'm a social worker, that's my, I'm an LCSW, um, you know, licensed clinical social worker. So I come from this um, attitude of helping everybody. I have a very macro view. I'm not about, I mean, I'm not saying that money isn't important. I mean, we have to make a living, but I always want to help more people. And I guess that's just where, that's just who I am in the world. So I, I did create a membership site or or what you call a community of people that want to dive deeper into using the law of attraction in their recovery. So I took all of the concepts from my book, The Law of Sobriety, and put it into a 10-week wake-up recovery course, which is just one thing that they get by being in the community. They also get access to 
probably hundreds of interviews that I've done with celebrities and politicians and you know all the people all the people that you you interview as well Monty on your show sure I've done many many interviews so they get um, access to all of those those interviews um, I do a live coaching call once a month where they you know we do they get me live and can ask me anything that they want um, I provide all kinds of guided meditations. Um, I provide other tools, like I have a self-care uh, inventory in there. Um, and then the, then we have a, the, two of the best parts of the whole program is I have a members-only Facebook page where people can communicate privately on that page and really share what's going on, what are their trials and tribulations, what are their successes. And then the latest thing that I've added, because there's such a need, is that, you know, I've been in this recovery media world for about 10 years now since I was on Celebrity Rehab. And I've, you know, I've done TV, I've been a media expert, I've hosted my own radio show, I do a telesummit, I publish a recovery magazine. I do a lot. And, and I also have a private practice. And I'm always asked, like, how did you do that? How did you get on TV? How did you become a media right. expert? <laughs> how do you host a radio show? And I'm not saying this to brag. It's been a process. You bet. You know, it's not like it just came to me. I've worked at this thing. Um, and I've used the law of attraction as my mindset to make these things happen. I mean, when I, when I saw Celebrity Rehab 1, I looked at that show and I said, I'm going to be on next year. They need a therapist. They have no therapist on the show. And mm. lo and behold, that's what happened. I got on that show and, and by just a freaky bunch of weird connections and there it was and so i kind of teach about the mindset to make things happen how to get publicity how to enroll more coaching clients how to create an amazing web page how to do you know telesummits how to do a radio show i'm like basically teaching the te- i'm coaching the coach on all the things that i've done to create an incredible brand wow and, and i'm i'm so excited for you because uh Again, you're you're using your gifts and your talents and the law of attraction and everything to give away what you've been blessed with and to help break stigma. And that's just – some people – I had a guy the other day tell me, oh, that break stigma thing, that's a, a buzzword. And I go, it is a very powerful buzzword, and it, and it needs to be a, a, all about the buzz because it is so true. And we, we need to – we need to break through this – excuse my language, is BS of, you know, oh, it's recovery is just very personal. Don't, don't share it with anybody. So I'm so excited uh, that you're doing this. I love what you said, Monty. I've never thought of it that way, but I am giving away what I've been given. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing it in a way that most people can afford. I mean, it's $19 a month. And wow. content could keep you busy every day. Like, the, the you know, it's, it's nine years of my work right there in, in a in a membership portal, you know, and people are loving it. I'm getting tons of recovery professionals signing up. And then I'm getting people that really want to change their mindset. Like I had one guy who really wants to be a musician and, you know, his mindset was just super negative. You know, how do I leave my job? You know, how am I going to do this? And already now he's starting to record some music and, you know, he's taking baby steps and then he has the support of the community to do that. So you don't even have to be a recovery professional to be able to, um, and it, and it definitely was first, you know, created not for the reco- not necessarily for the recovery professional. But then I noticed I was getting all these recovery professionals, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to, I have to like teach them some things too. So mm-hmm. kind of morphed into different things, and 
that's the beauty of um, of reinvent. You know, you just keep reinventing yourself over and over again. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and so uh, people can go to wakeuprecovery.com. Is that the website? Yes, absolutely. And and they can you can investigate it. You can look at it. You can and look at some of the testimonials. Uh, you can sign up there as well. We'll have a link uh, on our webpage uh, as well. Is there a fav- is there a favorite story on there that 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 you have? Um. Gosh, well, I guess that one musician guy, he's doing really well. Um, oh, I have another guy who's a recovery coach, and he was he's, he's starting a Facebook recovery group himself. He's working on his website. Um, that's kind of a success story. I have another guy who just, you know, broke up with um, a partner, and so he's organizing his home, which was really hard for him to get started on organizing mm. his home. Um, and then I have another woman who's a recovery coach that was really having a lot of self-doubt. She couldn't get clients, and now her mind shift has changed, and um, she's starting to build a business. So um, it, it's a combination of the mindset. You know, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Bob Proctor. He was in the movie The Secret. He's a, you know, a very, um, I guess if you're in that world, you know, the law of attraction world, or maybe you've mm-hmm. done a lot of corporate speaking. Anyway... There's a book called, you know, Grow uh, Rich. Oh, God, what is it? Grow and Grow and grow, Rich and Grow Rich. Oh, do you know what book I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm racking my I, brain here, I'm too. I'm having a 50-plus brain. Um, uh, think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, I've heard him speak numerous times. He always brings up his little tattered book that he's had for 40, 50 years, and it's all repetition. You know, I tell my clients, I tell my wake-up recovery community, it's repetition. It's putting this positive stuff in your ears to change the neuroplasticity of your brain continually, and that's really why the 12-step program works. That's right. Putting this information in your brain, and you're changing the way you think, and it can be done. You don't have to have that negative mindset forever. Of course, if somebody has real depression... Or real anxiety. I'm certainly not saying you don't want to get the proper help with right. a doctor or therapist. But I think there is some thinking, thinking that we all kind of can have, and I think it can be reversed. And I certainly reverse mine with the repetition. And that's really what wake up recovery is. It's just giving you content. I mean, I can't even tell you how much I, I give. I give. I give and I give and I give to this community mm-hmm. because. I love it. It makes me feel good, and I know that people are getting something out of it. And then they are creating recovery brands for themselves, which has spread more good in the world yeah. in yeah. recovery. You know, one of my fa- favorite sentences that I ever read was by an author named Mike D. He has a, a, a book out called Basic Prayer and Simple Meditation. And it says, uh, do you know how to, I mean, have you ever worried about something? And, of course, the answer is yes. Then you know how to meditate. Yeah, you, you, you know, and, and so, uh, so let me ask you this, Sherry. There's a lot of stuff going on amongst the recovery community. People in recovery, everything from life coaches to interventionists to television shows to to podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. To there's there's a twelve step program for being addicted to pencil erasers for crying out loud and chapstick and. <laughs> You know, with all this stuff going on, um, I'm sure you've heard, as I have heard, wow, do we really need all this stuff? I mean, is is there an addiction to everything? I mean, come on, everybody. You know, pull up your diaper and grow up. You ever heard stuff like that? 
Yeah, I have. And I think it would be very confusing to a certain extent. Um, but like I said earlier, you've got to start where you are. I do believe that the 12-step is the foundation. Like, I really, I really hope that people can get the foundation first. Like, I don't say, like, join my program and you're going to get sober. No, 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 no. First, you've got to get sober. You have to have some sort of program. And then, and then join us. Join us. And yeah. it's your you know, repertoire of tools. I mean, I would be lying if I said, oh, go to do a yoga recovery and that'll get you sober. I mean, it might, and maybe, and you know, maybe it isn't up to me to decide where someone should start, which is really the truth. Sure. I mean, if someone wants to start with my program and it helps them get sober, great. But for me, my foundation was 12 steps, and everything grew from there. Um, and that's, that's ethically how I feel, you know. Yeah. And that's just how I feel, but I do think there are lots of things that you can add, you know, listen to YouTube videos, listen to podcasts. I mean, again, I'll even go back to that whole thing of repetition. It can't hurt you. I mean, none of this stuff can hurt you, um, yeah. but you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere. But I, I'm certainly not old school where, you know, you have to do the 12 step first. I, it was, I'm talking about my experience. It helped me to begin my, my journey. Yeah, amen. I I was going to uh to uh Bible college to become a pastor because I thought that would solve all my problems. <laughs> yeah, I made it through about 1 year sober and then I drank myself through the rest of it. Uh wow. but wow. but but I will tell you until until I learned how to apply and implement these steps in my life, um I was depending on methods and they weren't working and I felt kind of like like maybe my creator tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You know, Monty, when you stop depending on your prayers and start depending on the one you're praying to, maybe you'll stay sober." And all all of a sudden the 12 steps came alive for me and I I'm I'm, you know, hey, I'm 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 a big book thumper. I'm a 12-step guy, but I'm like you. If you're doing something and you pulled the needle out or your love addiction is crumbling and you're getting healthy, I mean, I'm all for it. I, exactly. We, we, exactly. We need to get, we need to push aside some of our opinions and just look at the things that work and say, hey, man, let's go arm, arm in arm with this thing. Well, I'm on the same side as you are. Yeah, we Part of what we learn in the program is not to be judgmental and to be open and willing. So we have to be open and willing to all programs that exist, or yeah. all modalities that exist. It's not a one. It's not a one fit. You know, one shoe fit, or how does it one one, one size fits all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It certainly, it certainly, it's not a baseball cap. One size fits all, man. I it just isn't like that. Oh, exactly. Exactly. WakeUpRecovery.com is the uh, the recovery community, folks. Uh, check it out. Uh, you know, if not you, check it out. Maybe somebody you know, somebody that that you love and are concerned about. Don't cram it down their throat, but maybe yeah. write it down on a piece of paper and leave it on their coffee table. It's kind of what they did with the big book back in the day. Uh, Sherry Gaba has, has been my guest. Sherry, any any closing thoughts before we close out with our closing song this week? Oh, gosh, just want to thank you for what you're doing in the world and for serving the world and for making a difference in the recovery community. Um, you know, really, thank you. I want to thank you for what you're doing. Well, bless your heart. My closing thoughts. Yeah, that's very sweet. Bless your heart. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for folks like you in some of these, I've made so many great friends from Dr. Berger to 
uh, Marv Sapella from uh, um, Hazleton to to Ken Seeley. He was on my board of directors for a while. Uh, it, I mean, just some amazing folks that that we've yeah. that we've met by doing this stuff. And I I don't I don't want to do anything else. I'm just so blessed by it. They get it. Yeah. They get it. <laughs> All righty. So Sherry Gabe has been my guest. Uh, Recovery Today magazine, amongst other things. Uh, WakeUpRecovery.com. Please check out her book, The Marriage and Relationship Junkie Kicking Your Obsession. Uh, my friends, it, it, you're not hopeless. There's always hope. Uh, it's not too late. And I know you're sitting there, some of you, and I get emails all the time. You're just beating yourselves up. Drop the rock. I mean, there is solutions to this stuff. And uh, I just want to encourage you. Email me here at take12radio.comcast.net with your questions. Uh, I If I don't have the answer for, for it, I'll, I'll point you to somebody that can help you find out. Uh, please do that. All right. Um, our closing song this week is by my friend Kathy Moser. It is entitled, If You Are Willing. If you are willing to go to anything, your higher power can be your source of strength. Are willing for more great music from Kathy? Visit her website at kathymoser.com. That's Kathy with a K, by the way. A very special thank you to Sherry Gaba, our guest this week of Recovery Today magazine. Also, Wake Up Recovery. Visit the website wakeuprecovery.com. A fantastic community. You don't want to miss out on that. Listen until our next broadcast. This is the Monty Man. And I truly am wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now.
This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.